0: Love War.
1: Welcome to the Love War podcast. As always, we're Grant and Brian, one of us, a professional musician, pastor, and recovering pastor's kid. The other, a media and public relations expert, a writer, and a pop culture aficionado. What's going on, man? How's it going? How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Yeah. I'm doing good. Chugging doing down good. that coffee, right? It's, I'm throwing it down.
0: So before we got on the podcast, like right before we started recording, um, Grant did this, uh, he did the Matthew McConaughey thing where he's like, all right, all right, all right. And that's how I know it's going to be a good podcast. So, he, is, that
1: where I, is that where I got that from?
0: I, I don't know. I just, uh, I noticed that you did it and, and it was very Matthew McConaughey-esque, so.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't Man, that's funny. I've been trying to figure out for the longest time where I've actually got that from, but now that... I know, there we go. Yep, there it is. There we go. So
0: yeah. um, this podcast is going to give me a really great opportunity. So uh, Grant, as always, gave me a great intro, but uh, I was trained in journalism, and uh, for the early part of my career, I was a journalist. And so this gives me the chance, at least for the uh, front half of this podcast, to, to do some um, James Lipton, we're going to go inside The worship leaders studio today and we get to to ask him some questions so so this is kind of cool this is like uh it harkens back to to my early career in in television broadcast news i was not on air if anybody's wondering that i was always told that i have a face for radio so uh so that's pretty good that you can't Mm. see me right now but anyway so we've got some uh some good questions for grant and and i'm really stoked for this We didn't expect, let me just say this, we didn't expect to go into a second part of this podcast, but there were a lot of unexplored questions that both Grant and I had, some stuff that we wanted to address, and so here we are, and uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, let's go. All
0: right, man, so uh, I see you on stage every Sunday and that's a, a little bit of a weird thing for me because I know you personally. And so to see somebody in a professional context is always a little bit strange. Like if you were to see me at one of my work conferences, you'd be like, who is this guy? I feel like I don't even <laughs> What is he right. doing?
1: Yep. Yep. Why
0: is he drinking Merlot? You know? Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I had some questions and we talked about them at the tail end of our last podcast that I thought that we could just get into right off the bat. One of the Mm -hmm. things that I wanted to know is, as a a worship leader, and it's kind of a two-part question, um, the first part is, what's a moment that you thought that you were absolutely going to go up there and kill it in a worship set, and it just fell flat for whatever reason? The flip side of that question is, can you tell me, uh, or tell us about a moment that you just weren't feeling it. You got up on the stage, and and something happened. Whether it was uh, the uh, the sound mixing by Jonathan Rivas or the Holy Spirit, whatever it might have been, that that uh, led to a great worship set. Like, and and then I, I guess a, a small the the overriding part of why I'm asking this is to let let's just get into your head. What's it like being a worship leader, and how do you respond to those changes in energy, those changes um, in how people are feeling from the message, what they're getting from the Holy Spirit—like, what's that like for you on stage?
1: Yeah, I think um, there's. I I was thinking about this actually all week and trying to figure out, you know, what was the time that we, you, you know, you really, you, you know, you you really fell flat or whatever. You biffed um, it. I th- you know, there was so many times when I was first, like, learning first, when I first started leading that, um, you know, I just, uh, we kind of talked about it last week where I, you know, I had this attitude of like, hey, it doesn't matter what's going on. You know, if you guys are not going to worship, I'm going to worship and I'm going to get what I have to out of this and all this, which was, you know, we talked about like just an absolutely terrible attitude. And I think there was plenty of times where that actually happened. Um, at the same time, you know, when you're learning things are just, uh, uh there's so many times you are just, it's just terrible, right? It's just, it's bad. There's live settings. Your, your live instincts aren't what they should be yet. You're, you know, you're still getting like that underneath you. And then, um, What's even more interesting is that people come up to you and be like, "Oh my goodness, that was so great! that was so anointed and and you know da 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 right and the the worst part is is that you start to believe it right there's there's plenty of times where you you actually start to believe it and um which just adds a whole nother complication to to your leading but um there's been man there's been plenty of times where uh, it just didn't it just didn't happen um, and i think and what were
0: that, I, I don't mean to cut in but what were the reasons yeah. for that like i, I want to get down to like the details is there anything that you can take from those experiences that was common things that you've noticed that when when this happens like when this is the input this is going to be my output
1: there's there's some rules yeah i mean like there's some rules of thumb like where there's a lot of people that Um, or there's some leaders that, and I learned this early on, um, there's some, when they lead, they use it as an actual, like, uh, kind of platform to show their voice off. Right. And, uh, you know, you know, people will listen to, especially now they'll listen to worship music and they know the melody. Right. And they'll try to follow the melody. They'll follow in your, you know, when you're singing and there's plenty of times where, um, you know, somebody kind of just goes off and starts either riffing or starts making up their own melody, and they lose the entire congregation because the, the con- you know, the, the congregation is just like, what, what, what just happened? That right? happens it
0: frequently. Them. It happens yeah. frequently, and yeah, and it's tough ahead. for artists to um, balance that that artistry, the song that people know, versus. You know, what they can do on stage and, and what their abilities allow them to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, I've seen it, not in our church, but I've seen it totally lead people astray. <laughs> the entire congregation kind of gets off kilter and it, it, it's like a, a momentum killing experience.
1: Yeah, 100%. You can feel like, you know, when you learn to start, when, you know, as you're leading and you become more and more um, experienced in reading the room and feeling the room out. Um, And seeing what's going on and all that, um, you can just see it just stop. Like there's so many times, boom, you know, things will just stop there. And and I'm not gonna say like there's. Listen, like every church um, has a different worship culture um, and fingerprint, right? And in some cultures and sub worship cultures, that's it's more acceptable than in other cultures. In some, it's not. But as a as a basic rule of thumb for worship bleeding, when you're you know, when you're uh, leading a song, you're, you're, you're leading it. You're not necessarily performing it. You're leading it. And, you know, you have to mentally understand the idea of this is what I do when I lead. This is what, you know, this isn't my, this isn't my like solo performance show. Um, you know, and, and you have to understand, you know, where you're at and, and, and what your purpose is in that moment to do. And, uh, that's just one of the things, I mean, I used to do that Like when I first started all the time, because it's like one, I just one, not necessarily, you know, it's not like you're trying to show off. But, you you know, when you sing, you like to sing and you like to do things that are fun and interesting. And the leading leading takes precedence um, over all those things. So um, that's one of the things that I know that I could that could just like kill, like you said, momentum in the, you know, in the moment, just boom, you can see the room turn immediately. Um, I, there, I mean, and there's been plenty of times where, you know, the band isn't as rehearsed as it should be. Um, actually uh, there's been times where, uh, and this is like in any live setting, right? Where something happens and you start on the wrong key or whatever, and you just gotta, you know, you, you stop and start over. And I think that there's a, I I saw um, Chris Martin from Coldplay. I saw Coldplay one time on the X and Y tour and half the band started one song, half the band started another song and he was playing a guitar in a wrong tuning. Right. So there was like three levels of terrible. And he was just like, he just stopped and he was like, and they were just all laughing. He was like, wow, we just, you know, we screwed up in a huge way. And I like that said something to me. It's just like, you know, when that and that was a man, that was a long time ago, but, Um, If those guys who play the same songs and the same in like a lot of times the same order every single night, um, if they're still like, you know, whatever, it's not even it's not that big of a deal. It just really isn't. And the more that you get comfortable on stage and the more that you're just like comfortable in your own skin and confident of what you need to do and what you, you know, what God's called you to do. Those things just don't even bother you i I actually did something is i haven't done it in such a long time, but maybe like two months ago um yeah, it has probably two months ago i we started this song and I started it in like in the progression i just caught i couldn't i couldn't really hear my ears and I couldn't catch the like I got my key from the from actually the bass riff in the beginning, and I just started it literally probably four or five steps higher right, than I should have, and it was, it was like, I just stopped, I just stopped the service, I was like, alright, we're gonna do this again, <laughs> you know? There's no shame uh, in that, right, like, no, people,
0: it's... as long as people understand where you're coming from, um, you know, I don't think that the momentum of the rest of the band is going to stop you from saying, hey, this is not the way it's supposed to be, it's it's a, a an opportunity for grace, right? we can do this better
1: yeah and I you know I think in in, you know when you're in a in in, you know in a church in a certain church doing that all the time you know or or, or leading all the time when you got years and years of a track record of of, you know like executing well like uh, as a band and like something like that is just something freak that just you know you throw it in and it happens like you know it'd be another thing if we're doing that every single week right and it's just like okay guys like maybe you should rehearse more right but like, you know, I think the last time we did that was like, you know, three or four years ago and it was somebody else. And, um, I mean like that stuff, you know, it's a live setting, right? So things happen and you, you, know, I, like when you're, when you're executing, you know, there's, there's something to be said about obviously professionalism executing at a high level. And I will preach that probably more than anybody else because, um, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna walk on a stage and not be prepared, then you're not ready for that level of leadership, right? You're just not. Like it's just, it's just the, it's just the situation. It's it, and you're not taking it serious enough. Um, we could talk about, you know, people could talk about like, oh, like the imperfections in, in worship is just where you know the Holy Spirit's presence is found. It's like, nah, <laughs> nah, dude. I mean,
0: it could be right. Sometimes it could be, but if that's if that's a habitual thing, then that kind of speaks to something else that's going on.
1: Well, the, because people use that as an excuse to, to be uh, to be not prepared. They, they, they use it as an excuse to be like, well, like, it's all right. It's worship and the Holy Spirit's going to take us and he's going to take over. Like, my man, like, if you can't remember the progression, like, the Holy Spirit – uh, is limited uh, to play... Th- <laughs> like, he, he's not going to just bring back to your remembrance a song that you you, you can't even... Like, you haven't memorized. Or, sure, Like, it's sure, just not yeah. going to happen, right, you know? Like, and I, I find that more often than not when people say that, they just use it as as an excuse and as a, as a crutch for just not being prepared and not putting the work in. And that's just... I mean, I'm just not about that. So you mentioned a, a
0: really interesting phrase... Uh, a couple of minutes ago that I wanted to kind of bring you back to. And it's uh, you said worship culture fingerprint that every church has their own. Mm -hmm. What do you see from visiting other churches uh, in terms of their worship culture fingerprint? And what do you want Victory Churches, your church, our church, what do you want that fingerprint to be?
1: You know, like, so there... Culture is an interesting thing, and I, I, I've been trying to just dive deep into that. And um, there are a lot of there are a lot of people that want a, they want a deep dug culture. They want the results of culture, but they're not willing to put it in the time. Um, or the work to dig the culture that they want, right? People, there's churches all over the country that look at places like Hillsong and Elevation and they're like, look at their, look what they're doing, look what they're producing, look what they're like, look what they sound like. Like, But they, they, they'll they bring somebody in or they'll hire somebody and say, hey, we, this is the culture we're going for. And it's just like, you can't microwave culture. You can. You can like say, you know, hey, you know we we want to do this but the truth is how you do things the way things we do we, you know what we do around here how we do them that is your culture and it has been dug and it's been you know whether it's good or bad that's culture right if you have a culture of uh memorizing music and um coming to rehearsal prepared that is your culture if you have a culture of um, just showing up on Sunday morning and not even listening to the songs and like you know putting a, a you know sheet music in front of you and staring at it the whole time and not engaging—that's your culture, right? And
0: I want to cut in need, real quick. I want to say yeah. my my culture is just like enjoying what you all do on stage and like mm-hmm. singing when I know the words and never raising my hands. I just want to yeah. make that point again. <laughs> just yeah. never raising my hands is a part of my culture. Mm-hmm that I hope to change, but, but it's still there. So anyway, right. you, you go ahead, continue.
1: So, and so when we're, you know, one of the things that I, you know, that I hope that our team digs out and leads, you know, in, in lockstep vision with our, uh, our senior pastor is that we want a culture of people that respond and that can hear the voice of God. And that, um, during a worship time, like, you know, Like there's there's moments where um, lives are changed, right? Every single Sunday, every single time we come together, whether it's a meeting, you know, like a like a leadership meeting where we play a song or two or it's a Sunday morning or it's a service, you know, we call them pursuit services where. You know, it's just it's two hours of worship and prayer and all those things. You know, and and obviously those those atmospheres are, are a little bit different than what we than um, our philosophy on Sunday morning. But
0: but these are conversations that actually happen, is what you're saying. All like the this time. is not this is not something that you go into unprepared. This is something that you plan for and prepare for. You know what's there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, yeah, I, I don't. um, it, 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 if you if you don't prepare and plan those things out, I mean you're going to have a uh, you're going to have you know a, a little bit of a haywire culture where it's just like we're we're going to shoot from the hip and see what happens, and um, you know when you, when you don't. Plan those things out when you say hey, like, here's the goal. This is what we want to happen. This is what we want people to experience. This is what we're praying that God does, right? Um, and and you're just kind of being like, well, let's just get up there and you know, the Holy Spirit will take over. Like, ugh, like, what do you what do you really think is going to happen? I like you know, obviously, um, you know, the Holy Spirit, God can do whatever He wants. He can use whatever He wants. He can, you know, that's not an argument. Um, At the same time, you're, you know, I don't, to me, you're not being faithful with what you've been given, right? You've not, you're not being faithful with your time to be able to prepare to do those things, to actually lay out a strategy, what you want to see happen. And you're leaving it up to chance to me. And to me, that's, that's just not being faithful with um, your leadership position.
0: So you, uh, you mentioned earlier, you said uh, leading takes precedence over what, you might be feeling what you might think is a a good idea to do at the time what the band might be feeling and that's a really interesting phrase to me leading takes precedence because what that tells me is that there are times that you might hold back when you feel like you want to do something else how how does that work for you how is it you know because you just mentioned that we need to be using God's gifts and, and Mm -hmm. the time and the talents that he's given us appropriately. What if God gives you a a talent? And this is like a, a really sort of pseudo or super rudimentary question, but what do you do when like, when you feel like it's in me to, to pull off this amazing guitar solo right now? It's just like, it's not in the order of business. How do you balance that, that leadership with your ability to, to do more, go further, do better. What does that look like to
1: you? Well, I think, I think do more and do better is definitely a relative term in that, in that situation. Right. Um, like, uh, to me, if any of my guitar players just started like, you know, you know, pulling some kind of eruption riff right in the middle of a song, I, I would, probably kick him off the stage. That's a shame because eruption is a great
0: riff. Like I, I I would, (laughs) I'm not arguing. I would raise my hands to that.
1: All right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think, um, I think a lot of those things come down to selfishness and self-centeredness, right? So many people are like, well, God's given me the ability to be creative. So I'm going to be creative here. No, like you're being selfish. You're not being creative. You're putting what you think is creative over the entire band over the worship leader, over whoever's arranging, over all of those things, you're putting you your quote creativity yeah, yeah, but that, over all of those things.
0: That brings up a really good question though. It's like yeah. and this is something that I, I wonder often about worship leaders and worship bands, like, is there an impetus? Is there like some kind of drive to look cool on stage? To look like what you're doing is is fun and energetic but also is attractive to other people because i, I think that i said in our last podcast like I've, I've been to to great concerts the last thing that i won on a sunday morning is uh, a crappy concert with worship songs right mm-hmm. so like sure. is there still a, a drive or an ambition or a desire to be up there on stage and get in that rocker pose and to look cool and to to have some sort of um aesthetic effect on the crowd like what's the difference between selfishness in that case and just presenting who you are
1: yeah i i think that you know like we talked about last week um you know, having a stage presence, having all those things is, is, is hugely important culturally, right? Oh, absolutely. And, to, and, and to do all that, not yeah. only culturally, I,
0: but in terms of a professional musician, which you are right. and which worship right. teams are, when you get up on stage, there is a certain expectation of what you should be portraying. Right. And mm-hmm. so I'm, um, I'm not talking necessarily about that. I'm 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 talking about the, the drive or the necessity to portray something on stage that is culturally or or, or socially cool right? Mm -hmm. And those are, those are like really loaded terms. I understand that. I understand cool is a loaded term. I understand culture as we just discussed is a loaded term but is there any sort of uh, understanding or any sort of uh, recognition that this is something that people do look at and they do respond to? Yeah, I I I, s- I stumped you. I know this is a hard question. Like we're it's, really it's getting nice. down to the heart of like the the appearance of a worship band, and, right. and what what you're trying to portray, what you're trying mm-hmm. to get out there when you're on stage, and whether or mm-hmm. not that affects how people worship. And this is a, I, an important component.
1: Uh, it absolutely is, and like it's interesting that you use the word portray. Um, I think. I think that there's it it absolutely like culturally, and I don't mean just like in the in their church culture. I mean like culturally, um, you know, when you see a band or when you see there's 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 culture that is um, associated with it, right? Some churches don't think it's a big deal, right? There's a guy, there's a lot of guys, you know, in button downs and ties and pleated khakis, you know. Uh, playing the guitar, and that doesn't, you know, that's just as, you know, uh, uh, reaching out as, as you know, and leading in worship as as the uh, the guys in the long lines, right, in, in the ripped jeans. Um, I think that there's an element of who you're trying to appeal to, trying to attract, who you're trying to um, connect with, because culturally, uh, you're trying to connect with, uh, some churches are trying to connect with like a younger crowd, right? And the younger crowd isn't going to be attracted really. They're not going to be able to like have that connection with maybe the guys in the khakis and the pleated pants and the loafers, right? Maybe not. Maybe they will. Maybe if that's what your if that's what your community represents. But then there's other people that like, hey, it's really important for us to look relevant. I mean, the church, you know, has been blamed for c- cultural irrelevancy for years and years and years yeah but hold
0: up there though like uh I have I have heard you rail uh in our personal conversations about Mm -hmm. this this uh term of relevance and what that means and and how irrelevant the term relevance might seem so what does that mean to you and and in this context what are you trying to say
1: so yeah, no, I don't. I think that the re- relevancy is an is an un, is humongous. But when you put relevancy um, as the as like one hundred percent of the top, you know, at the top, 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 and forget everything else for the sake of relevance, to me, you're just being a poser, right? Like you're just like that's not even you. Like when you you have relevance without any kind of authenticity, which is another interesting word. Uh, to me, it's just like okay, dude, like that's enough, right? Like stop. Um, but at the same time like like i dress like i dress normally on a sunday morning right like i dress like that every day to me that's that's not that's could that's it happens to be relevant and authentic at the same time right but that's that's what our culture reflects the guys who don't dress like that who are wearing you know 17 piece suits like that's their culture and that's relevant to them right and all that i would really um, like to see by
0: the way i i need to cut in right here because a 17 piece suit is something <laughs> Like is that like an Iron Man suit? Like, wh- how do you get a suit with seventeen pieces? That that is fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, listen, it, I think it can happen. I, you know, have you seen the guys whose socks match everything? I mean, those guys are good. Match their uh, the <laughs> handkerchief and the blazer. That's, a, that's It's a called skill. a pocket square. Right. Sure. Come on. Pocket square, yeah, that matches like the uh, the inside of the wallet when they open their wallet up. Oh, absolutely, like, got to have that. You know, the lining of their wallet actually matches their pocket square, which matches their socks. I don't <laughs> know if I can get down with that. <laughs> that is fascinating.
0: Um, yeah. I want to get to something that you you sort of touched on, but uh, you you said the term multicultural. We're using the term culture a lot, uh, and one of the things that I love about our church, and one of the things that I think about often when I think about our church is, um, and and you might know the figure, I don't know the figure, but we have uh, a, a certain number of... Uh, cultures represented in our church a certain number of countries of origin represented in our church which is
1: yeah and do you know what that number is I it's the last time I think I saw it was over 40 origins right, right right which is which is
0: tremendous for this yeah. suburban Philadelphia area um, mm-hmm. and it's something that it's one of the things that when when I first started going to the church, I, I think that I talked about my history enough in the last episode, in the last <laughs> podcast. And so you know my feelings about church and about worship. Um, it's one of the things that kept me coming back is that this is like a a really great multicultural place to worship God. But when we're talking about multiculturalism and we're talking about leading worship for people who are from 40 different cultures... How does that come into play for you, or does it at all? Do you just go out there and say, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, or do you go out there and say, all 40 cultures need to be represented in this worship service, and I'm going to do my best to to represent
1: them? Um, Yeah, that's such a funny question. Um, So many people have a lot of different... um uh, ideas about that, but what it comes down to is when it comes down to the vision of the senior pastor, right, and the vi- the vision that he has, the culture that he um, really has in mind and wants to build, and um, in that, and then they 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 hire uh, they hire accordingly, right? They hire a worship leader accordingly, and um, some people believe that they should play songs in in every language and every musical style one, like there's over 40 and there are some styles that we will like our church will never be good at. Right. So it, to me, it doesn't even do them. A service so there's a that. component two, of like not
0: being able to it, do it well, right?
1: Like- well, sure. But that's, that's, to me, that's way down. That's actually, that's a, a few down the list. One is that when you do that, you, you, you run the risk of creating fractal communities. And what happens is then, you know, everybody wants to be like, Hey, my music is this, my music is this, my music is this, my music is this. Instead of like, what are we together? What is the sound of our culture together? What are we trying to build here? What are, you know what I mean? Um, And the, the, and people will disagree. You know, everybody thinks that they need to be represented in like musically. I don't agree. I agree. Like my, um, that's
0: a strong statement right there. I don't agree.
1: I, so what, what you're saying,
0: and I'm I'm pulling like a cable news thing on you right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you're it, saying it, though is you don't feel that every culture needs to be represented musically in this church.
1: Uh the see the thing is is like uh, it's and that's not to say hey we're not going to do this we're not going to do a song here we're not going to do a song there like you know we did. Uh, you know, we did a um, a chorus bridge chorus, you know, of um, a song in Spanish the other day for the very first time on a Sunday morning. Yeah, and yeah. It was great. Well, you know, yeah, that was really really cool. The um the but um to me, the the overall culture of the church of the church as a whole is is um, and creating that and digging that like who we are as a whole is is top, top, top priority, right? And um, if the senior pastor said, hey, listen, do, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, do this, do this, do this. I, like, that's his vision. I'm going to carry it out, right? And um, But our, our vision is who we are, like, as a whole. And what we do musically right now represents, you know, the songs that we get right now, um, whether it's Hillsong or Elevation or like, we do that, those are the songs that most people... Um, who have heard worship music? That's what um, they hear. That's what we're playing. You know, we do songs that ring true in culture. And when I say culture, I say overall church culture right now. Right, that's that's what we're playing. And um, the the representation thing is really interesting to me. And I, you know, I'm learning that. I'm learning that like more. You know, uh, all the time. But at the same time. That's why, um, I mean, you you don't have a million different worship services, right? Is because you create sure, sure. those fractal communities yeah. instead of like who we are. Who are we as a whole? These are the songs that are ringing true with the church, capital C, right now. We're gonna play them, and you know, that's what we're gonna sing. That's what we're gonna go for. These are having, you know, these are you know, these are having profound effect on Christian culture. We're going to sing them in those styles, in those arrangements, and, and that's, you know, that's that. That's just the way that we choose to go.
0: You mentioned Hillsong and Elevation, which are uh, big sort of, can I say worship markets or, or worship um, products?
1: Can I say Players? products?
0: Players? Um,
1: I mean, to me, like, when you separate them from their church, it does them a, diff- a disservice because the only reason they can produce that kind of music is because it came out of the heartbeat of their church
0: so because of the culture of that church mm-hmm. of that organization it, of that yeah
1: yeah I don't think you can separate that
0: okay so but if if they're the plumb line if they're the standard right mm-hmm. um, and this is probably the trickiest question I'm gonna ask you and it's the mm-hmm. last question I'm gonna ask you because uh, yeah. I think I think uh, we're gonna go into a broader discussion about this But um, what do you think that our church, your church, this church, Victory Church, does better than Hillsong and Elevation? Like, if you were to pare it down and say, these are the things that I appreciate about our church. These are the things that I try to cultivate within this church. What things do you, would you pride yourself on? What things would you say, these are the things that I'm happy that we do in a different way or in a better way than, than those sort of big words that, that are more or less umbrellas for genres or ideas of worship.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I, so I, I take, you know, what I think we do is we execute for our worship culture the best, right? I think that we execute for what we are trying to accomplish the best for what we feel like God is, Doing for what God is saying the best, because um, you know we'll take their, you know, any of their songs and we approach like you know the order and the same things. But you know, one hundred percent, you know, we we approach it like you know like like the recording one. Like that's just the kind of what we do at our church, right? We you know a lot of people want to do this. This is like let's do a reggae version of. Uh, how great is our God? Like, yeah, okay, don't yeah, ever just, do that. I, I just, just, not gonna, it's just not gonna fly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Is it like, is this, you know what I mean? Like we're not in Hawaii or, you know, any of that. So like Jamaica or anything. So, um, so I think that, you know, when we get together and I have the musicians that we have and we kind of, we roll in that, we kind of, we, you know, we, uh, we build on the strengths of our band and we arrange accordingly. And I feel like we do that the best. Um, in the same way that they arrange and, and, uh, you know, execute for their culture, the best, you know, and that we can connect with, um, the people in our church, you know, the best, you know, what the, the, the big thing is that, you know, we don't really do any original stuff right now, which is to me is, um, uh, it's, it's, to me is a little bit of a travesty. Like I've, I've probably been terrible at, um, like allocating time to write for our church. Um, I've, I've done it and we haven't really, we haven't played them. We haven't executed not not for anybody's fault except for my own. Um, But I know that when we write for the heart of our church, we'll be able to do that 10 times better than anybody else too, because it's songs that came out of this house, right? The songs that came out of this house from sons and daughters of the house, and we're going to be able to execute it um, in this house. And um, that that has a profound effect on worship culture um, when, you know, the when the songs ring true to the heart of what God's Oh, doing. yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, are, are there... So we're looking to the future now and we're looking to a time where we're able to do that as a church and sort of expand our repertoire into original songs. Um what rings true to you as somebody who is not only a worship leader, but a musician first and a songwriter, what rings true to you about this church culture that you would like to, uh, impress upon people or encourage people in song?
1: Um, I think there's a few things that, um, that ring true in this culture. One, it's kind of, it's, you know the the term is thrown around a lot, um, but our pastor has his uh, has his doctorate in um, an aspect of. Um, an aspect of I can't remember the aspect of but he basically studied revival and did his dissertation on Yes, things, yes. He right? talks
0: about that from time to time. Yep.
1: Yeah, so so there's an there's an element of pursuing God and realigning, um, and always having um the Spirit of God realign you and uh focus outward, right? Um so there's elements of the Great Commission. There's elements of um just pursuing God's heart, what God wants to do in realigning and reawakening um you know his people. So there's there's tons and tons and tons of things in there that um you know that I need to explore that the writers, you know, the other guys that that write and, um, and girls that write on our team need to explore it as well. And we do. I mean, there's probably there's a closet full of songs right now that we actually have but we just haven't um we haven't pulled them out yet. So it's kind of funny. But but again, one of the greatest. I mean, you know, one of the things that um, like let's say Elevation does in their writing process is they'll work with their senior pastor and like, hey, what's this? um, What's the theme of this year? What's the theme of this series? What's the theme is that? And you know, we can you know, and he'll lay those things out, and we'll just write on that, right? And we'll write on, we'll explore that, and uh, and it's a collaborative effort, which I think is so 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 effective.
0: So a lot of people tend to think of the uh, pastoral team and the worship team as sort of independent sort of things, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, That collaboration, from what I'm hearing right now, is an important component of what you do, what your day-to-day job is as uh, not only a worship leader, but but you're a pastor, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there...
1: uh, No, go ahead. I was just gonna say yeah I mean it, it looks different in every church right and some churches don't that that's just not how it is and they do operate very independently and there's some that are very um, that that work very very closely right um, ours happens to be one where I look I work very closely with the the senior pastor and we um, and you know there's a lot of um, conversation and when it comes to direction of Uh, a sermon series or a Sunday or all those things right Um, you know we just you know we you know Pastor Ed um, kind of outlines where he really thinks the Lord wants him to go and those things and we kind of we have those conversations like okay how can we uh, like we talked about last week what can we do to to provide the best framework possible for people to be um, open to what you know the Holy Spirit wants to do
0: sure sure So all of this, what all of this is getting at is uh, in the last podcast, we we talked about some very basic things. We talked about definitions of worship. We talked uh, and, and had, I thought, a good discussion about what does and doesn't constitute worship. We talked about our backgrounds in music and how that informs how we think about worship and we talked about our backgrounds in the church and how that informs what we consider worship for you right now just to tie this part of the discussion up in light of everything that we've talked about over the last i don't know one and a half hours 90 minutes what is worship to you and why is it so important these are really questions. I understand that, but like, again, just to wrap a bow on it, what, what is worship to you? What does it mean? And why is it important?
1: Um, yeah, I'm going to stick to the the definition that, um, you know, we talked about, uh, last podcast is it's our response to God for who he is and, um, what he's done. And, that, you know, that's what worship is. It's it's important because one, when we worship, we're fulfilling our purpose on earth, right? Our purpose on earth is to bring God glory, and to worship Him. And when we're in that, when we're fulfilling our our purpose, and we're aligned with Him, um, it, to me that there there's so many more. There's so many things that fall into place behind that when somebody is, you know. Uh, in tune with their purpose and in tune for the reason that they're on earth. And, um, I, you know, there, there there's so many things that, um, there's so many battles that people walk through, walk into, and there's so many times that they need to sing out and worship in faith because they know that, um, you know, that, that God has them, that God has a plan for all of these things. And there's so many times where people need to remind themselves you know, what God can do. And worship is all of those things. It's, um, there's, 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 I mean, to me, there, there's so many things that can come out of that and so many things that, um, what it can unlock in your, in your life when you're walking in those things and when you're, and when you're worshiping. Right. So what does
0: that unlock? What does that reveal?
1: Man, I you know I I think that it, it, there's a reality that it unlocks. There is a communion with God that it unlocks. There's there's um, a deeper relationship um, that it unlocks. I think there's a deeper realization of what God um, has for you that it unlocks. There's um, there's oh man, there's just so many things. There's um, there's an element of faith that it unlocks. There's an element of just. Uh, A deeper walk with Jesus that it unlocks. Um, There's a removal of self-centeredness. I think that it unlocks. I think that when you worship, there's you know, and you're and you're just giving glory to God. um, You know, all of a sudden, it's just not all about you anymore, right? It's just it's just not. And to me, you know, sin at the, at its basic core is selfishness. It's just self-centeredness is putting me over everything else. It's putting me over every other person. It's putting me over what God has. It's putting me over all of that. Right. You know, a lot of people, you know, think that like, you know, sin is just kind of like a, um, a box that you stay in. And when you're in the box, you're, you know, you're not you're sinning when you're out of the box, you're sinning. Right. But to me, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a line. Right. And, and um, when, when you decide to put yourself over other things, um, <clears throat> then, then you're sinning. And I, and I really believe that, um, worship reveals to you your selfishness, your self-centeredness and reveals to you the heart of God. Um, when you're in his presence and when you're declaring, um, who he is, there's, you know, uh, Really, there's things that are revealed to you about his nature and revealed to your heart, right? There are certain things when you walk through them, reveals stuff about you that you didn't know before, right? You know this, you know, what did you, when, when you became a parent, what did that reveal to you?
0: <laughs> that is a really weird question, man. And you've asked me that like a couple of times before. Um, it revealed to me that I have a love that I didn't know existed it revealed to me um, my vulnerability in taking care of somebody. It revealed my dependence on other people, particularly my wife, who is uh, <laughs> the, the strong one in the relationship, in the marriage. Um, my dependence on her to, um, to know and do the right thing. Um, it revealed my... Uh, sort of preternatural ability to know when something's wrong and mm. and to um, to not let those uh, those doubts and those fears that I had overcome me but to to let them serve as guideposts to how I uh, deal with and treat my daughter I mean it, yeah if this if this is an uh an analogy to worship um, the relationship that I have to a daughter, which is, you know, five months but completely new to me. It's it's just, I think that you said it earlier, maybe not in exactly these words, but it's just it's a different level of experience and a a different level of living, and a different level of awareness of everything that's going on around me. Um, yeah. And one of the songs that I weirdly never heard before I started coming to our church, uh, a song that I heard for the first time when, when you and, and your worship team was performing it was Good Good Father, which is a very simple song, but growing up, I didn't have a great relationship with God the Father, um, I often use this analogy, like, I can ask God for anything as long as it benefits other people. Like, I can ask for world peace, right? Or I can ask mm-hmm. for um, people to be healthy. Or I can ask for people I know who don't know Jesus to get to know Jesus or get to know him better, right? But I can't... Sure. But but one of the things that I can't ask is for something for me. Like, uh, and, and my analogy was always... Uh, This shiny red bicycle, brand new red bicycle that I wasn't able to ask God for because that would be selfish of me. That would be something that, you know, you might want, but to ask God for that, to me at least, was um, defeating the purpose of a relationship with God where I was supposed to care for Him and honor Him and do what He tells me to do. It was a very sort of militaristic relationship that I had with God where he's, you know, he's my supervisor and I'm just the guy who carries out the orders. What I found, what I found was, um, was that God actually is a good father and he does love giving good gifts. And, um, and just a quick story. One day, um, my wife gave me this, uh, little ornament. It was a red bicycle And we'd been talking earlier uh, a couple of weeks before about God's good gifts and what the best gift for me would be. And I told her the story about the red bicycle. And I I said, the best gift for me right now would be to to have a child. Like, that's something that I've always wanted, something that I've always looked forward to. Um, And so she gave me this red bicycle. And I thought, this is amazing. Like, you're letting me know that God does care about the things that I want, and he does want to provide those for me. And it was, like, so special and so beautiful, but I didn't get it, <laughs> because I'm dumb and I'm a dude, and she's like, I've, uh-huh. I have something else to show you. <laughs> and it was a pregnancy test, and it was just just a, a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, today, uh, last year that that happened, so we're we're uh, wow. right about at a year when that happened, Um and it was the first time, I think, in my life, not only my adult life, but in my my human existence, that I realized that God was actually out for my good, and that yeah. he did want to give me good things. And without that song, and without this worship team, I don't think that it would have impressed me as much. I don't think that it would have meant as much to me. I don't think that it would have settled into my soul the way that it did. I'm I'm the kind of guy who like I'm a brain thinker. I'm an intellectual. That doesn't mean that I'm a smart person or that I use my intellect more than anything else. But what it means is that's where most of my thoughts and ideas and emotions come from. They're they're purely head knowledge and it doesn't sink down to the heart. And what worship yeah. does for me and and what you. Uh, have done for me and I have to thank you for this I'm sorry if it's embarrassing I can see you blushing right now um, is is <laughs> like worship allows it to sink into my heart and to become more than an intellectual reality it becomes an emotional reality to me sure. it becomes something yeah. that that I believe not just in my brain but deep in the pit of my soul and that was a, a really great example of a way that i that that had happened, and um, and it's it's probably my favorite example for the effectiveness and the necessity of worship.
1: That's good, man. That's that's so good. That's a, that's a great story. story. I did not know that story. I'm
0: shocked because I told you about this story. I told you like three times, and I'm joking. I didn't tell you. I never told you <laughs> I don't that think story. You've ever told I that did story. never tell you that story. But yeah, that's I mean that was like and and when when i worship god like i'm not looking necessarily and this is we we talked about selfishness and self-centeredness i'm not always looking for me to find that perfect pocket where i can honor god and love him for who he is sometimes i'm looking for him to give me something from that and i think that's that's a way of looking at worship, I, I think that um, God does want to give us the desires of our hearts. He tells us that in his word. We, we believe that and we trust in that um, but worship needs to be something that is uh, a gift and a sacrifice and, and something that sometimes might be very, very hard to give Every night I, I read uh, from this children's Bible to my daughter, and she doesn't probably understand it right now. Um, although they say that by six months kids can understand like most of what you say, which is like really scary. I I really have to work on my damn swearing, but um, <laughs> because you know the the. The stuff that she's going to hear from me is just, you know... But anyway, um, to hell with that. <laughs> the, the the story that I was reading to her the other night, and it, it's one of the most difficult stories in the Bible, and it's when um, Abraham takes his only son, Isaac, that Abraham and Sarah had when they were not only elderly, but, like, great-great-grandparent age, like, 90s, 100s, like, really old, God told Abraham that he was going to make a great nation out of him and out of his children. And then he gives Abraham this really weird request to go up to the top of this mountain and to sacrifice his own son. And I, I love just sort of tangentially how that story is echoed in the new testament and in god sacrificing his own son for our sins like that's that's a really great analogy but as a dad i kind of for the first time put myself into that story like why would god be asking this of me why would god be asking me to make this kind of sacrifice why is a sacrifice even necessary to please god there are a lot of questions that come up when you're a parent, yeah. and you hear the story of a parent who's supposed to put a knife through a child's chest.
1: It's yeah. horrifying.
0: It's yeah. horrifying. Um, and and the the beauty of what God's asking for us, and and the end of that story is is God testing Abraham, saying like that's not the sacrifice that I'm actually asking of you. Um, it it reminds me that the sacrifices that we give to God in worship, all he require... um, And uh, there's a great song that Matt Redman sings, I think Delirious sings it. um, I'll sing you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, etc., etc. What God Mm -hmm. requires of us isn't sacrificing our only child which is really difficult all he asks is is just for this appreciation that's that's what his that's what his i used this term earlier that, that's his plumb line that's his standard that's that's not that hard for us to give and it makes me really question what my motives are when i come in to worship on a Sunday morning with a crappy attitude like i 'm just not feeling it today this is this is our sacrifice that's that 's all that he wants from us he 's not asking us for anything major he 's not asking us to sacrifice a child he 's not asking us to to sacrifice you know um, even our own um, our own senses of self or who we are he 's just asking. To sacrifice our doubts in Him, um, our our ability to even question Him and to see that He's a good Father—that's the stuff that He wants us to lay on the altar. It's it's just not that much. Um,
1: and it's I, so funny. You, you go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was just gonna say it's so funny that you brought this up because uh, um, my wife Rebecca listened to the last podcast, and she was like, you know, one thing that you didn't even mention or talk about was the sacrifice of praise. I was like, yeah, you're right.
0: Well, that's the great thing about having a wife, is that they are always... <laughs> she's always going to be 100% more right than you, and she's always going <laughs> to hone into things that, that you didn't think about, But but it's... It's so true, and it's so effective, and never has that been more effective to me. And I don't know who's listening right now, if you're at that point right now where you, you have a child, or maybe you expect to have a child in the future, um, that that pain of losing that child to an accident or to uh you know some freak happenstance like that's palpable that's something that i Mm. think about every day to lose that child in service of a greater purpose like that's even more horrifying to me right to Mm. to want to um bless somebody else by doing the most horrifying thing that you can think of that's worse because to me it it calls up questions of why would you even ask this of me um, and and just like God proved his faithfulness to Abraham in that story um, I think that God proves his faithfulness to us every time we set our, our ourselves aside and the things that we're thinking about and our troubles and our emotions all of that baggage that we bring into church um, he asks that to, to bring that to the altar and to sacrifice that and that constitutes just such a large part of who we are as people. And, and I also, I think, want to say this, um, those sacrifices, the things that we give to God, they're, they're not in vain. They're not, um, to, to use like Old Testament terms, this isn't something that like we're killing our best cow and God gets to eat it and we don't have to eat it. I think one of the the beautiful things about our church is that we emphasize and your worship emphasizes and and Pastor Ed emphasizes that um, what we give to God in love will be given back to us and that's not a reason to give to God we should give to God out of the fullness of our hearts but um, the things that we give to God God will return to us um, mm-hmm. and his word uh, doesn't go out empty and I, I think that that's a lesson that that we need to recognize is, is that uh, when God asks something of us, is it a sacrifice to us? Yes, but is it something that God is going to use in the future to withhold from us? Is it something that he's going to hold over our heads? Is it something that he's um, not in some way going to return to us? It's not that at all.
1: Yeah, that's so good, man. That's so good. That's such a good word. For sure. The uh Man, that whole, yeah, that, that picture of sacrifice is crazy. And I, you know, and I, and I don't, you know, I don't, we don't have any kids. Um, so. Yet. Right. Yet. Um, so that, you know, that whole thing, you know, I can, I can hear, I don't understand because it's, it's still foreign to me, you know what I mean? But I, I can't even imagine, you know, you know the realm that, that that's in. But I think that's such an interesting, yeah, that's such an interesting uh, picture. what you're talking about the sacrifice of praise man that's really good and it's scary
0: it's scary stuff you know and I, i don't think that god ever asks us to like take that step whether it's me raising my hands in worship or whether it's somebody who um for the first time in their life decides to walk into a church because they think that that might be helpful or useful to them um i think that I believe in I'll I'll say it that way I believe in a god who honors that worship, who honors any worship no matter how um how difficult it might be, no matter how restrained we are when we worship and no matter how um how blasphemous we are sometimes in testing Him and in saying, like, if God, if you say this, then I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna test how good you are. And I'm gonna test how good your word is. I, I think that God encourages us to do that. Um, but that's kind of the the operative idea of this word sacrifice is that it's it's going to cost us something. And and one of the things that I've learned particularly uh in this church as we sort of wrap up this discussion of worship and and how worship is a sacrifice um and how worship is like actually a more difficult sacrifice to some people than it is to other people um that that that's that worship isn't going to just like fall into a pit somewhere it's not god like receiving that worship and saying thanks you know um you you uh collected your two hundred dollars. You know, you can pass go. That's not what right. it is to God.
1: Right. right. That's so good, man. I don't even I can't even add anything to that. It's really good. Do, so good. Do you have any closing thoughts
0: as we wrap up? I, I love this discussion. I love the fact that I got to uh sort of probe you for for the deets. That's um <laughs> I'm I'm really <laughs> right. embarrassed that I just said that. But but for the details on, you know, what it's like to be a worship leader and what's at stake there, because there is something at stake there.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that the, um, for worship leaders and people that are on worship teams and those who, you know, this is something that, you know, that they think about or wrestle with or whatever, um, it's, there's a, to me, there's a few things that are important. One, that your heart is in tune with God, Right. But a big two is that you um that you're in tune with the culture um of your church, the worship culture of the church and what your senior pastor, what the vision that God's given your senior pastor for your church. And And
0: to me, some, can I can I uh, once ahead. again yeah. cut in here? That means mm-hmm. like when you're a worship leader, it's not just you get up on stage every Sunday and that's the end of it. Um, and I, I see you doing this all the time. Any event that our church has, you're there, you're um, experiencing it, you're there with the uh, the people who essentially every Sunday you're leading in worship and, and they're not just peons to you, they're not just an audience for you, those are your friends, those are your family, those are people who you are integrated with as a part of the church community, you're not separate from them in any way. And right. I got to pat you on the back for that because I have not seen a lot of worship leaders who are able to integrate themselves in the way that you do to be a part of that community, to not see themselves as separate, but to see to see themselves as essentially the same as, um, and I'm, I'm not knocking this profession, but but the janitors of the church the, uh, the people behind the sure. scenes, the people who do the sound, the people who, um, you know, uh, deal in hospitality and put out the bread and the coffee and the water for everybody. You have this great uh, sense of your role in the church to see yourself as somebody who is just a servant, just fulfilling what God's role is for you in the church. But you never look at yourself as higher or better or more important than somebody who just maybe walked into the church for 15 minutes, walked out and then showed up at an event. And that's really powerful.
1: I really appreciate that, man. I, I, I think, I think you hit on a, you hit it is you're there to serve that church. Like, right. You're not there to like, you know, execute, so well that everybody thinks that you're untouchable or any of that. Like this, this is a church. This is a community. Like you're not a rock star. You're not like it's just you know come on. Like it's just it's just not. This isn't your 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 personal solo gig. This isn't where you know you're there to serve that body. You're there to serve that house. And once you know when I think when if more worship leaders were to kind of understand that encapsulate that, their purpose is to serve. Then that whole thing, like you know, it just starts to it starts to disappear and dissipate. Yep. Because then you understand what your real purpose is. Absolutely. Um, And that's man, we could go, we could roll on that for a while, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna digress off of that. So you
0: you had two points you just made, um, and uh, did you have more? You had a third point, maybe a fourth point.
1: Um. I, I, yeah, I mean, I could, like I said, I could go on, on that, but if it starts with realizing that you're serving, right? Um, when, when you're there, like when you're there to, um, people don't even, you know, a lot of people don't even think about this, but when, when, when you have a, when you, when your entire world is to perform or execute, um, in front of those people in front of people and the idea of serving is not even there uh you're gonna have your your culture that you're trying to dig is going to be completely different when you're there to serve your culture is going to be completely different than that so um when 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 a team realizes they're there to serve when a leader realizes he's there to serve um there's a lot of things in a, that open up and there are a lot of problems and a lot of um man you, you call them worship wars you can call them you know anything you want that that are completely avoided because you understand your purpose fundamentally to, you know to honor God to you know to serve your senior pastor and to serve your church and uh listen it, when, when you if you differ if you really have a problem with your senior pastor if you really feel like you think that you're, you know, that you, you know, you hear better than him or that you don't agree with his philosophy of worship or that you don't blah, 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 blah. You need to get out. Go somewhere else. Get out. You know, start your own thing, whatever. Don't that, you know, God has placed you under that authority um, in that house for a reason. And your purpose is to serve them and to serve the body. And this whole idea is like, oh, my pastor doesn't get it. No, no, no. You don't freaking get it. So you need to just jump, get out, figure out, and ask God to reveal those things in your heart too. Um, the purpose isn't to, you know, to, you know, to divide. There, I think there's a special place in hell um, reserved for people who split churches. By the way, those are strong words <laughs> to end that's on. That's the, no, listen, that's the pastor's kid in me, man. But I so love listen, that, really,
0: and really really it's. Like, but I, I, that rings true to me, and so I love true. that. Um, yeah. Wow. Can we end on a better note than that? So what we're, <laughs> we're going um, to do as we do every podcast, what, what are you into? What are you uh, listening to, watching, reading these days? Let's talk about it.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've i been eating up um, a lot of things that Rick Rubin have been, has been producing. I've just been kind of nice. doing a lot of homework. Um, so like I, I keep revisiting all um, the American albums that he did with Johnny Cash. Some of um, my favorite
0: albums of all time
1: I, It's just crazy to me because I'm working on some some other stuff that I've been writing and it's just the the way that he produces and just you know how he has this this openness about his approach to to, um, to the things that he's you know recording is it, just crazy, but it captures. He's able to do it, like, very simply, but it captures the vibe, and it captures, you know, just, uh, yeah, just, like, uh, what, what he's trying to accomplish. It's just, it's insane to me. That's why he's brilliant.
0: I played um, uh, my guitar for my daughter for the first time last week, and I played, uh, I, I decided, what else am I going to play on guitar for her but Johnny Cash? And so, um I, I started singing Fol- Folsom Prison Blues to her, and she just mm-hmm. loved it. She was giggling awesome. and dancing, eating it up. Um, That's awesome. So, J- Johnny Cash, as you, as uh, as uh, Bono from U2 said, never has there been a voice wailing in the desert since John the Baptist as Johnny Cash. Like, Johnny Cash yeah. was that man.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, totally.
0: So, for me, um, a couple of things... One of the things that that people are, for whatever reason, surprised to find out about me is that I have this, like, childhood love for magic. I love magic. I love stage magic. I especially love card magic. And so over the past few weeks, um, I think this is the... The fourth week in the series on the CW. It's the fourth season of Penn and Teller's Fool Us, where they have uh, magicians come on stage to see if they can figure out their acts or not, and it's phenomenal. I yeah. I I love everything about it. Um, it's it's just there's there's nothing better than uh, a guy or gal getting up on stage and and performing a great trick. It's it's the best thing in the world to me. Um, music has worked to me. Writing has worked to me. Sometimes watching film has worked to me. Watching magic is just just pure pleasure and enjoyment to me. So I That's love awesome. I love that, um, and. Uh, In in terms of books, I I think that I said earlier in this discussion, or maybe it was when Grant and I were talking before we started recording, I've been reading a lot of board books, and there's this great series called Baby Lit. So if anybody has parents, check out this Baby Lit series. Um, I've been reading, um, we we have a number of books from this Baby Lit series. We have uh, Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. We have uh, uh, Odyssey by Homer. Um, a bunch of books that like pare down the concepts and ideas of these gr- great classics into um, concepts that very, very young children can understand, and I'm getting a kick out of them. The, uh, the artwork is fantastic, and uh, hopefully this weekend when I go on vacation, I'm going to read some books that i'm looking forward to i've got a, a big stack of them brian wilson from the beach boys uh he wrote an autobiography uh last year so did uh bruce dickinson from iron maiden i'm looking forward to reading both of those some Stephen oh, that's awesome. some stephen king um right and some uh some modern sci-fi lit that i'm looking forward to but right now it's all about the baby lit books so that's awesome. those are the two things I'm that i can leave about you with.
1: I was just talking about Brian Wilson last night. Uh, the Beach Boys last night. It's been our. It's kind of been our summer jam, actually. Some some of those things. I was getting into like uh, just the way they kind of engineered things and caught that sound. Um, Pet Sounds is that. still That's the awesome. greatest
0: album of all time to me. Nobody's ever <laughs> going to change my mind, and I am never ever going to move from that position. Pet Sounds. The the best produced, the best recorded, and and the best songwriting on any album ever. And with that, I'm going to close this out because nobody can argue about that.
1: Go. Roll. <laughs>
0: Alright, buddy. It was good to talk to you.
1: You too, man. Join
0: us next time on the Love War podcast. We don't know what the topic is going to be, but it's going to be really good.
1: Take care. Love War.